look back at Indiana politics in the year 2016. The surprises, the changes, the best and worst, and more in a special edition of Indiana Week in Review for the week ending November 18, is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, the top stories of 2016 in Indiana politics, a look back on an unforgettable year. Here are 10 of the top stories in chronological order. Lieutenant Governor Sue Elsperman steps down, replaced by Eric Holcomb. Donald Trump wins the May primary and clinches the GOP nomination here. Bernie Sanders beats Hillary Clinton in the May primary. Trump picks Mike Pence to be his running mate. Evan Bayh makes a late entry into the Senate race and comes up a loser. Eric Holcomb wins the GOP nomination for governor and goes on to win. Trey Hollingsworth uses family money to win a seat in Congress. Curtis Hill becomes the first African-American Republican to win a statewide race. Glenda Ritz loses her bid for re-election to Republican Jennifer McCormick. And the GOP maintains supermajorities in the General Assembly. What made this a special year in Indiana politics? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney. Republican Mike McDaniel. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers. And John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella, and we're here with a live audience. Ann Delaney, what was the top political story of 2016 in Indiana. Well, obviously it was the Trump tide. I mean, there's no other story that compares to it. And it wiped out the entire Democratic ballot. Top story. Well, clearly it was Mike Pence's journey to becoming vice president of the United States. Which may have been the result of the Trump tide, but it's a, it's a different story. It's a whole other story that dominated the second half of the year politically. Well, and actually, I, that's, that's my choice. And I say it because... Mike Pence started the year looking like he would lose re-election, and now he's the vice president-elect and head of the transition team. What's your choice? Well, that's the, turn, that's the turnabout on all of these things. If you look, uh, took a slice in time a year ago, everything's changed. I mean, the ballot, the names on the ballot changed in some cases with uh, Evan Bayh taking the place of Baron Hill, Eric Holcomb taking the place, certainly, of, uh, of uh, Mike Pence. So we didn't even know, we couldn't have even have predicted the candidates, never mind the outcomes. Top story. Well, I think that's a good top story, but I'm going to go off topic, off of that topic because that's pretty straightforward. I think it's the vitriol that we saw in the election this year and the, the really the maturation of all of that uh, super PAC money and how it's had an effect on all of this. Uh, yet, with all of the vitriol and all of the high anxiety, we still had the same number of people turn out to vote in Indiana as we've had historically. All right. Who was uh, the luckiest politician uh, of 2016, Mike? I'm going to say Jennifer McCormick, and the reason I say that, I don't say that in a disparaging way, uh, 
we recruited who I think is one of the best people we've ever recruited for that office. And then once all of the people changed at the top of the ticket, moving around different positions, we kind of left her to our own devices to raise money and do other things. And so we recruited a great person and didn't give her the resources or the help to get done what she needed to get done the campaign. And because of the Trump-Pence wave, Jennifer McCormick is superintendent today, so I say she's the luckiest politician. Yeah, luckiest. Oh, it's obviously Mike Pence. I mean, he was on the verge of being defeated for governor because he'd done such a poor job in his four years. Uh, almost unheard of that an incumbent would be defeated, and instead he winds up vice president of the United States next to the oldest elected president and the most unstable. So, you know, who knows? He may wind up being president before this term is over. <laughs> John, luckiest. I, I think it's Indiana's version of Gerald Ford. Uh, Eric Holcomb was running for the Senate and not doing too well, uh, leaves that to become appointed the, vi uh, the lieutenant governor. Um, then Mike Pence ascends to vice president nominee, and he runs for governor, and now he's the governor. Well, there's a common theme here in all of these, whether we're talking about McCormick or whether we're talking about Eric Holcomb. It's people who benefited from the surprisingly long coattails of Donald Trump, people who arguably would not have won otherwise. They didn't have the money or wherewithal or name ID, and they were swept into office. So I'd say anybody who was able to jump on and grab onto those coattails and, and hang on for dear life. Yeah, I'll buy all of that. I, my, my nomination is Eric Holcomb. All right. Who was the best running mate in 2016, Ann? Oh, I, I think that's Christina Hale. I think she's really made a name for herself statewide. I expect to see her run again, and she's done an excellent job. Uh, you don't think that uh, Mike Pence qualifies as the best running no. mate? No. I don't think he'll qualify as the best vice president either. And I don't think he qualified as the best governor. So there you go. I, I personally thought he was a pretty good running mate. Mike, I thought he was the best running mate by far. I thought uh, uh, he did a fantastic job from the convention speech to the debate to the fall campaign. He was a stabilizing force, and it made a huge difference, not only in a party, but as a, in this victory. I think that's right. I think uh, Mike Pence was able to quell some of the concerns that maybe the quote-unquote establishment Republicans had and also shore up the base with evangelicals when some of these stories came f uh, forward about Donald Trump maybe not behaving in a manner that uh, some of the uh, regular churchgoers might appreciate. Uh, you had, the, in many cases, the darling of the evangelical faction of the party saying, he's my guy, he's okay. And I dubbed him at one point as the chief pooper scooper of the campaign. Yeah, um, I mean, when you're comparing the two of them, he was obviously a stabilizing force, but that doesn't yeah. exactly give the rest of us a lot of uh, reason to uh, Made him be a great encouraged. running mate. Uh, Ketzenberger, your choice. For uh, I'm going to agree with Ann and add Suzanne Crouch to that list. I think both of the lieutenant governor candidates were excellent. I think they both contributed to the ticket. Worst running mate, Mike McDaniel. Well, if you were John Grigg, Hillary Clinton was your worst running mate. <laughs> I think, think there's something to that. And, uh, clearly, um, he, uh, she was a, uh, brought him down in a big way, I think. 19-point loss. It hurt every Democrat on the ticket. No I actually said the worst running mate was Carly Fiorina. Uh, if you want to stick to Indiana <laughs> wow. politics, she got named here. Uh, that didn't go it, too it, far. It was, what, for four hours or something like that? Uh, I think for a day or two. A day or two. Okay. Yeah, right. worst running mate. I'll, I'll go with Carly. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Ann. I'm going to say Tim who? Right, that's it. Tim Kaine? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I mean, Tim Kaine certainly was a qualified uh, individual and brought a lot to the ticket. I mean, his his interaction with the Latino community, his ability to uh, converse fluently. But 
given the, the mood of the electorate, probably not the right person for the right time because of his longstanding ties to elective office. And, of course, we know that was a – those were dirty words to say somebody was a career politician these days. Like Mike Pence? <laughs> well, All let's right. not be consistent. Next yeah. category. Next category. Biggest mistake, Ann. Putting your name on the ballot if you're a Democrat this year. <laughs> <laughs> a number of people committed that one. Biggest mistake. Evan, by not knowing his Indiana address. That was a big mistake. I'd say for the uh, other Republicans, what did we start out with, 14 candidates or something on the, on the uh, seeking the presidency or the nomination? No one took Donald Trump seriously initially. Uh, it was sort of a novelty. People were waiting until the joke was up, and the joke was never yeah. up. The joke is on um, us. I, I set think you up for uh, that the one, biggest mistake yeah. was paying attention to any polls. Uh, I think there's something to that. How about uh, spending money on polls? Um, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. I say Evan Bayh coming back and deciding to run again was, was a big mistake. Okay. Well, that leads us into the next category. What was the best poll? <laughs> there wasn't one. <laughs> Obviously, there wasn't one. It, the, the election was so volatile. And when Comey came out with that... Uh, coordinated with Giuliani or not. When he came out with that uh, last-minute attack, it, it destroyed any polls we had. Yeah. Actually, the Harry poll that was out the Friday before the election had the governor's race, had moved up to even, and had Todd Young at plus six, and that was all trending in the way it finally ended up on election day, so that was probably the best one we saw. Yeah, if you look at the presidential race, I think there was a grand total of one poll, if I'm not mistaken, the one that the L.A. Times was involved with that that actually had this right. And you look at people like Nate Silver, who was seen as the guru of polling, and, and he was criticized early on for saying it's only a 71% chance that Hillary Clinton, people were saying, are you crazy? She's gonna, it's a slam dunk. He'll tell but, you that 71 is not 100. Well, he was also closer than most, but still pretty yeah. far off the mark. Yeah. I think it's a goofy professor somewhere who claims that he's predicted every election yeah. all along, and he kept saying Trump, Trump, Trump. Well, Vargas isn't doing that anymore, is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're welcome, Mike. You're welcome. Yeah, I say that, you know, politicians like to say the only poll that counts is the one on election day. That's, that was the only one that was accurate this time. All right. Um, most surprising candidate withdrawal, and I say this because there were five candidate withdrawals this year. I'd, I'd never seen one... Uh, in over 30 years, most surprising. I think the Baron Hill uh, withdrawal was the most surprising. After you, you've got your party's nomination to be candidate for United States Senate and to leave in the middle of a campaign was pretty surprising. Most surprising. I'll, go, I'll go with Sue Elsperman. I thought she had done a good job as lieutenant governor, and I thought she added something substantial to a pretty inept top of the ticket. And uh, whether they pushed her out or whether they made it uncomfortable and she had to leave, I think that was surprising. I'm going to agree with Ann. I think Sue Elsburn's decision to leave, um, while not necessarily surprising um, because it had kind of been telegraphed, uh, I think for the reasons Ann stated, um, was a little bit uh, unusual. It, it was unusual, but you're right. It had been telegraphed. I mean, the governor had expended political capital effectively to say that this would happen, even though it was technically not his choice, but rather the board of her new employer. Right. Uh, but for those reasons, I don't think you could say that was a surprise. I'd have to go with the Baron Hill uh, right. uh, withdrawal. That, that yeah. surprised me a great Bar deal. Baron Hill is my choice. All right. Uh, most surprising primary win, and uh, Tennessee Trey. I, I think Tennessee Trey beating uh, Greg uh, Zeller and other more established Hoosiers in that, uh, in that district was a surprise. 
I, my choice is Bernie Sanders. Absolutely. I mean, he beat the presumptive Democrat nominee for president of the United States in Indiana. Uh, to have a socialist win Indiana was unbelievable. Yeah, most surprising. Uh, Certainly, Bernie was a, a good choice, but I mean, look at the appeal he had had when he was talking about the carrier job uh, but movement. Trump talked about carrier. carrier well, Trump's bringing carrier, carrier back. I heard yeah, that. Carrier was when, when is that happening? It was everybody's Mike, favorite issue, and right? nobody's figured Thursday. out how to bring it back. Yeah. No, Trump I, has. <clears throat> I do still think that probably uh, Bernie, for the, again, for the reasons stated, when you have somebody who has all the infrastructure, all the grassroots support, officialdom behind. Her yeah, but still you didn't contest it here either, you know, well, and he a, was on the John, air. That tells you what you need to know about the Trump tide, too. Bernie won, and then the people who supported Bernie, by and large, didn't come out in the general election. And so it really didn't help Hillary Clinton at all in Indiana. All right, best candidate, Ann Delaney. Oh, I think John Gregg. I think he ran an exemplary campaign, and the loss is not his fault, clearly, but I think he ran, in sharp contrast to four years ago, I think he ran a absolutely stupendous campaign best candidate i agree that john ran a great campaign probably a lot better campaign than he did last time but clearly the best candidate this year from the time he was picked was mike pence okay best candidate john i always feel like i'm uh, picking up the retreads here on going uh, you are. Say, i know i guess i get to pick <laughs> feel your free choices. to disagree well they, they happen to have some pretty uh, pretty good uh, well this. let me offer another example how about curtis hill who was the leading vote getter uh, was he, you're saying he was the best? They candidate? thought he was barren. He I was, think actually, his, <laughs> if you want to credit somebody with that race, you should credit his parents uh, for giving him a name that probably sold well in Indiana. It's it's the old adage: if you if you have a name that sounds closer to home, more Hoosier. I think. Then I then, think um, having an R in front of that well, name was probably well. Yeah, but you don't yeah, tell me that yeah. you don't think that that was a factor yeah. too. Are we talking best candidates still? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say. Uh, I, I'm going to say that it's Maria uh, Reardon up in northwest Indiana. Maria Valeria Reardon, who, who, won, who, who is the only Democrat to win uh, in, in the state, basically. Um, that's, that's a good pick. All right. Uh, worst candidate, Mike? Arredondo for Attorney General. Lorenzo Arredondo. I mean, I, you know, didn't anybody ever see him? He was on Facebook. He was? Yeah. So. No wonder I didn't see him. <laughs> Did you delete your account? <laughs> Worst candidate. Oh, I think the libertarian candidate for president who only talked about uh, legalizing cannabis was... Well, and who made a speech here in Indianapolis where he started out by saying, how crazy is this year? It's so crazy I could become president. But that then, was crazy. But, but yeah, never did actually do anything that, that gave well, him Well, he was a, still looking chance. at the map to find Aleppo. Yeah. So it's going to take a while. He, what, what was his name? Gary Johnson? Yeah, worst candidate? Um, I think there are two. It's a tie. It's the guy who ran as the Democrat in a third district in the congressional race. And it's the guy who ran in the libertarian ticket on the ninth district. Doesn't yes. matter who they are. They just yes. they just one got busted, and one uh, disappeared. Yeah, one lived in a motel. The third district uh, Democrat lived, did a, did well, a TV interview with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. It was well. It's he's a man of the people, you know. Yeah. But, but no, that's that turns out the, he wasn't. Well, that proves the point I was making uh, a moment ago when you kind of poo pooed it and name 
familiarity does have a lot. He had a name that sounded like, oh, that's my cousin, that's my friend, that's my coworker. And therefore, he was able to beat, I'm talking about the 3rd Congressional District yeah. in the Democratic primary, he was able to beat the slated candidate. He didn't receive the backing of the party after you know, that. That's an interesting theory you have about the name, seriously. You must be a cult of one who believes that. <laughs> I What's your choice? Oh, I think there's some truth That's your that. choice for worst candidate? I do think there's some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, right. I don't know. You can fault the voters on that or you can vote him, him but... Uh, <laughs> Not because he was a beer-swilling candidate. Nothing wrong with that. I don't want to hurt uh, poor constituencies here. But Right. All right. Uh, new category. Best ad. Best campaign ad. I think Eric Holcomb's introduction ad, because when you're picked to be the candidate 100 days out from the election and you've got to start by telling people who you are, I thought that ad went a long way of introducing him as somebody who might be capable of doing this job and would somebody they shouldn't be afraid to vote for. Best ad. Oh, the Shelley Yoder ad with the dartboard where Tennessee Trey is picking and hits Canada, trying to pick a district that he can run in. That was the best ad. That's actually my choice. And I think that was actually an ad from the DCCC. Yeah, it was. It was a great yeah. ad. That was all I was going to be able to add to that comment because that was my choice as well. The DCCC's right on point with that. Well, the biggest impact, I think, was right. You're right, Mike, was uh, Eric Holcomb. He had a very compressed time frame during which he could get his identity out with voters. As it turned out, he probably could have it, run no. He probably dumb. could have run no advertising <laughs> and still won. But I still think you're right. The stakes were high. He needed to introduce himself to those voters who didn't know him. Worst ad. Oh, I think the Tennessee Trey uh, ISIS ad was the worst ad. Well, and again, that one came from the RNCC. What, whatever. So he didn't disavow it, so it's Tennessee Trey's ad. Worst ad. I think the ad that was run against Eric Holcomb trying to connect him to um, uh, the scandal on, um, what's his name? Durham. Tim yeah. Durham. Yeah, yeah Durham. Tim. I thought that was the worst. Even the Indianapolis Star came out and said it was the less, least factual of any ad that ran the campaign. And uh, it was just bad from top to bottom. Worst ad. Well, it goes back to the Citizens United case and what you talked about with the floodgate of advertising that that opened. All the candidate ads were more or less all right. The, it was those definitely the special interest groups and the super PACs. NRA, you yeah. could take your pick. They were they're, they're all over the board yeah, in, I was gonna, in any number of nominees. I was gonna, the only difference I would have made is to say that all of the ads in the U.S. Senate race were lousy because they were, they were yeah. so much involved with that. Yeah, right. I agree. All right, let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Best campaign strategy? Uh, best campaign strategy, I think, was Todd Young to go after Evan Bayh from the get-go and not shy away from the fact that Evan Bayh got in the race and took after him on the theme of uh, he left Indiana. I, I go back to John Greggs. I mean, in, in any normal year when a Republican candidate would carry by only a quarter of a million votes, he'd be the governor. And I'll agree with, with uh, Ann on Greg. Uh, because he had such a, a well-thought-out and detailed plan going forward, which makes it an interesting idea to float maybe uh, John Gregg for head of the Department of Economic Development or something like that. Uh, I don't think you're going to see that uh, kind he, of bipartisan. He did run a great campaign, but I'm not sure how you can name that the best when you end up losing. You don't get the results. Yeah. Clearly, there was, this was if you had, your name was Donald Trump and you were the outsider fighting the establishment, that's, that's all the strategy you need. And if you wanted to hook onto that wagon... That That's was all, all the you strategy you needed on the last say, day. They I were say, running uh, away yeah, from yeah. it till that point. I say Todd Young had the best strategy, and it was let, let everybody else uh, handle it for me. Mm -hmm. The outsiders. All right, best, yeah. best organizer. I have no idea. I say Rex Early. 
I mean, talk about sucking up. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that before. No kidding. I have a a tie. I think the state Trump chairman, Rex Early, and I think Mike O'Brien, who ran the Holcomb campaign. I think John Zodi. I'm going to say uh, Rex Early because he's sitting 10 feet away from me, and he's promised me an audience with the Pope when he gets the special envoy to the Vatican position in the new administration. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I like, oh boy, that's a frightening thought, you and the Pope. Uh, I'm going to say Michael Bryan. I know. The two of them together? Michael Bryan and Pete Seat and the whole crew on the whole campaign. campaign. All right, best convention speech. Uh, Clearly, I think Mike Pence's speech in Cleveland was a home run. Oh, I think the most effective one was Mr. Han, Mr. Khan, when he when he yeah. talked about his his son, uh, a Muslim, giving his life for the country. I think that was the most effective. I think it was Michelle Obama slash Melania Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'm going to reverse what I just said. When you, I said you can't name something the best so if, in fact, it didn't pay right. dividends, but I'm reversing course already. I do think that, that Michelle. I do think Michelle Obama's yeah. uh, speeches, and not just that one, but throughout the campaign, yeah, were, were better. If you're going to be Indiana specific, I think you got to go with Mike Pence. Best debate performance in John Gregg's. He was very, very good. He, he was pretty good. Best Mike of, Pence, clearly. I think again, Mike Pence. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're, the adages do no harm, he didn't do any harm. John Gregg and Eric Holcomb in debates two and three. All right, most meaningless endorsement. Let me let me just help you out a little bit here. I say <laughs> Thank it's, you. It's the Mike Pence endorsement of Ted Cruz. I would say it's the Democrat Party endorsement of Baron Hill. <laughs> well. uh, yeah, I'll go with the uh, Mike Pence endorsement yeah. of Ted Cruz. Yeah, too little, too late. That's better than what I had. We'd have to, <laughs> for that one, we'd have to have an instant replay and review the tape because, as you'll recall, he danced around a lot. He didn't actually endorse anybody. He said, this is what I'm doing, but I'm not necessarily calling on anybody yeah. else to do it. Most tepid endorsement might have been that one. He showed up in an ad as an endorsement. All right, best departure, Andalini. The best departure. Again, I'll, my choice is Sue Elsperman. Well, yeah, I, it, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> I think uh, Senator Dan Coates retired in a very classy way this year. I thought he was. Was he ever in? I, I wasn't clear on twice. that. I know, but he, yeah. did he serve the last twice. six years? Senator he was largely twice. invisible in yeah. Indiana. This was, a, this was an election because of the vitriol that called out for gracefulness uh, on the part of a lot of losers. And I, I think most people stepped to the plate from Hillary Clinton on down in terms of uh, reassuring the nation. Speech, yes. right. Is it time to suck up and say Jim Shella? No. Oh, okay. Wow. That was good. Wow. Thank you. That was not part of the plan. All right. Most notable pioneer, Mike. Curtis Hill. Uh, that's my choice. Most notable, well, obviously Hillary Clinton. I mean, being the major party nominee for, for President of the United States and a, and a woman. I have to say Curtis Hill. I want the applause line he has. I think Jim Shellett for doing 25 years of a show that uh, really stood out in all seriousness. No, it's been, been, been a great uh, Thank uh, you. bastion of common sense in a, in a sea of fill, the, fill in the blank. God bless you. All right, <laughs> best effort to buy a seat, Ann. Oh, that's Tennessee Trey. Bought, bought and paid for him. And, the question in my mind is how fast he moves to try to take on Joe Donnelly in two years. I agree, Trey Hollingsworth, and I don't. Say money that well in, spent. I don't say that in a disparaging way because he spent his own money. He did it yep. wisely in the primary, and he used it in the fall, and uh, he won. So how could you say otherwise? I'd have to agree with that. And think if he forget the, the Senate race, what if he runs for president? Because he's already 
a favorite son in six states. That's right. You really, <laughs> you That's already, right. you can really start. You, you uh, can start building that yeah. electorate. Like you're already quitting. I like it. All right, time now for viewer feedback. Each week, we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question. Will Mike Pence succeed Donald Trump as president? Your choices are A, before 2020, B, after 2020, or C, it won't happen. Last week's question, when will Democrats reach parity with Republicans in Indiana? 20% said by 2018, 30% said by 2028, 50% said never. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. Now, back to our round table, the party of the year in Indiana. Mike, we'll give you an easy one. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, how, the Republicans uh, libertarians, have every Mike, office, is that what you were going to say? Every office. <laughs> the White House, the Congress, every statewide office in Indiana, majority, supermajority of both House legislatures, clearly the Republicans. Nothing to Unfortunately, say. that's true. I just hope that now that they have all of those things, they'll actually do something with it and address some of the problems of infrastructure and education and funding and stay off the social issues and really do something instead of putting Band-Aids on our problems. It's a good sentiment. I'll say neither because they both got co-opted by the super PACs. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with Mike. How could you not say the Republicans when you win? When's the last time a party had every statewide office? All right, final category, politician of the year, Mike McDaniel. Clearly, Mike Pence was the story of the year and the politician of the year in Indiana. Oh, no. If we're going to suck up, Ed Delaney. He got 62% of the vote (laughs) in the Trump tie. (laughs) (laughs) Politician of the year, John. Uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump. Donald Trump, and, and a lot of what good ha- the good that happened to him happened in Indiana. So, uh, A lot of good things happened to Republicans in Indiana because of Donald Trump. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. So, yes, Donald Trump's uh, politician of the year. Uh, Mike Pence is a close second, I'd say, um, especially if you look at the arc of his career. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you next time because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.